Of all the characters of the Bible, there are many who resisted the call of God on their lives. Exodus 4 verses 1 to 5 speaks of a time of deep agony in the lives of God's people. They had been forced into slavery by a, an Egyptian pharaoh. And we read in Exodus 2 verse 23 uh, the following words as they describe those days. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. Exodus 2 and verse 23. The verse describes the people of God groaning in their slavery. And this groaning was a result of the hard work they endured day after day. They were being forced to work for Pharaoh and beaten if they failed to produce what he demanded. But beyond this, the king of Egypt ordered that every male child born to the Israelites be stripped from their mother's arms and drowned in the Nile River. And the people of God in those days suffered through this state-sanctioned killing of their young infant sons. And in despair, Israel cries out to God for help. And God heard their cry and appeared to Moses in the wilderness. And in Exodus 3, verses 7 to 10, we read how he speaks to Moses. And this is what he says. Exodus 3 and verse 7. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cries because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God's words and intention is very clear. Speaking to Moses, he says in Exodus 3 and verse 10, Come, I will send you. To Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God has a very specific task for Moses. And from the very beginning, however, Moses, hearing that call of God in his life, begins to question this call. Listen to his response in, to God in Exodus 3 and verse 10. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses, at this point in his life, was very much aware of his weakness and his inability. He had no more pretensions of doing anything great for God. He felt his weakness and his age. He, he just couldn't see himself at this point in his life doing anything special. And so the words, who am I, 
are spoken by Moses, but they're not the only one. These are the these words do not come just from the mouth of Moses. These words have been used many times since Moses and countless servants of God have spoken them. Men and women who were powerfully used of God at one point or another all felt the same. And the question is a legitimate one. Who am I? Who are we to take on the service of the King of Kings? Who are we to stand up against the forces of evil? Who are we to take up the challenge of releasing God's people from bondage? What can we do? You can sense the despair of Moses. What can he do to release his people from the oppression of the most powerful nation on the surface of the earth? And Moses understood his inability and his weakness. But listen, however, to the words of God in reply in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12. He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be as a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Exodus 3 and verse 12. And if it were not for the words of God here, the question, who am I, would be a legitimate one. But God changes this, however, when he says, but I will be with you. Moses on his own could offer no hope to the nation of Israel perishing under the cruel oppression of Egypt. God with Moses, however, was a powerful combination, and not even Egypt, as powerful as it was, could stand against this combination. Consider once again the the words of Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12. He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Not only does God promise to be with Moses, but he also makes this second promise to Moses. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. The words, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, make the victory sure. There was no question of Moses failing here. Because God was with him, his victory was guaranteed. Now, God goes on in his conversation with Moses in Exodus 3, verses 21 to 22, and he says this, And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry, and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters so that you shall plunder the Egyptians. Consider this for a moment, that those words of God. Up to this point, the only thing Egypt gave God's people was a whip on their back and cruel, cruel labor. The Egyptians did not give to Egypt. They took from them. They took away their freedom. They took away their time and their energy. They took their infant sons and drowned them in the river. 
But God tells Moses here that as a result of their effort of God and Moses together going to Egypt, these Egyptian women would give their articles of silver and gold. They would load down Israel with fancy clothes for their children. And what God told Moses that day seemed to be so far from possible that God's people could never have imagined it ever coming true. God's call in Moses' life was absolutely clear. He promised to go with him. He promised to empower him for the task at hand. Victory was assured. The big question was this. Would Moses heed that call and obey? Now, before answering that question, let's back up 40 years in Moses' life. Forty years prior to this, Moses was living in the home of Pharaoh's daughter. He was in the prime of his life and very influential. And he determined at that time that he was going to stand up for the Israelites and release them from their oppression. But things did not turn out very well for him at that point. His mission was a complete failure. The Israelites refused to listen to him. And they, they, they refused to accept him as their deliverer. They did not trust Moses. And even after Moses murdered an Egyptian who was beating an Israelite, they still refused to accept him. And when Moses' efforts on behalf of Israel were discovered by Pharaoh, Moses was forced to leave Egypt and settle in the wilderness as an exile from his country. Moses had put that part of his life behind him. It had been a huge failure that he very likely did not want to remember anymore. But God brings this all back up to him again when he tells him that he had called him to go and deliver his people from bondage. Moses had tried and failed. And he certainly wasn't too keen on repeating this failure. And so notice the words of Moses in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. They will not believe me, says Moses, nor will they listen to my voice. And those words are the reflection of a deep wound in in Moses' life. They bring back a time of deep failure and loss. This was a period of Moses' life that he would have liked to have forgotten. And in many ways, the Lord is saying, he's saying to God, Moses is saying to God, Lord, I tried that and it doesn't work. And I'm sure that Moses could still hear those 40-year-old words of that Israelite slave who, in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 14, said to him 40 years before this, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Those words cut Moses to the bone 40 years before this, this event. They had crushed his spirit. They had shattered his vision. They were more painful to Moses and the Egyptian whip on the back of the Israelite slaves. And when God spoke to Moses, 
and told him to return to Egypt, all of that pain likely came flooding back to him. And that, pray, that pain expresses itself in these words, but God, they won't listen. They won't believe me, for they'll say the Lord didn't send you. And if Moses was going to be the man God called him to be, he needed to have victory over these past wounds, these past failures. The words, who am I that I should go, were very personal words to Moses. These words, they will not believe or listen to me, were expressions of a deep 40-year-old wound. But God is asking Moses to confront this past and its shame and to move forward into what he had for him and the call that God had on his life. Consider the call of the Apostle Paul. He was a man who had dragged Christians out of their homes to face persecution in Jerusalem. He was a man devoted to erasing the name of Jesus from the earth. And one day, the Lord Jesus, whom he persecuted, met him on the road to Damascus and calls him to be a servant. And reflecting on this many years later in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 8 to 9, the apostle said, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. The apostle Paul felt unworthy to be called an apostle for the rest of his life. That call of God on the road to Damascus was not something he took lightly. And reflecting on his past persecution of Christians, Paul felt so unworthy And he reflected on that throughout his life. I can imagine the words of Satan to Paul in those discouraging days. What right do you have to call yourself an apostle after the way you persecuted the church? Can you imagine the apostle Peter preaching the gospel? And and as he preaches, he hears that same satanic voice. Why should people listen to you? You denied the Lord three times. What right do you have to speak now in his name? As Moses reacts to the call of God on his life, he feels very strongly his unworthiness. The words, what if they don't believe me, is a reflection of that unworthiness. Moses feels his inability. More than that, he he also feels his past failures. And and I suspect that what is true of Moses is true of all true servants of God. Jeremiah called out, but I am just a youth. Peter cried out, but, 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 but I denied you three times. Paul cries out, but I was the church's worst persecutor. And each of these men, however, also heard the words, but I will be with you. And those words change everything. Those words give us the authority we need. And who can stand against us when he stands with us? Those words empower us. What foe will be will not fall when, when the God of all power strengthens my arms? Those words are also words of pardon. What accusation will raise 
his ugly head when God himself has determined that he will not be against us, but he will stand with us. And the apostle persecuted the church becomes now its greatest ambassador. The, 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 the apostle who denies Jesus three times brings thousands to him. And as Moses stood before God that day and said, who am I that I should go? They won't listen to me. He reveals now how human he was. He shows us that he is no different from you and I. He has his failures. He had all of his insecurities. He just couldn't imagine that people would ever listen to him. He just couldn't picture the release of Israel from her bondage. At the age of 80, he couldn't picture himself as a deliverer. He just couldn't imagine that God would ever want to use him. And he had settled into the simple life of a shepherd, and he would have been content and comfortable to die that way. And then he heard the words of God, I am sending you to Pharaoh, and I will be with you. Those words were not comfortable words to hear. And the past came flooding back, as did all of his insecurities. They won't listen to me. They won't believe me. They won't accept that you sent me. I tried this before and I failed. Who am I? Just just send somebody else. You can hear those insecurities in his heart, but he couldn't escape those words. I am sending you to Pharaoh. I am sending you. You are the one I am sending with all your insecurities, with all your past failures, with all of your weaknesses, and I am promising that I will be with you if you go. God is not looking for qualified people. He is looking for people who will listen to his call. And if you listen to that call and obey, he will stand with you and give you all you need. You can stay where you are and say, Lord, they wouldn't listen to to me. Send someone else. Or you can take God at his word when he says, I am sending you and step out to experience the fulfillment of his promise to be with you. What if they don't believe me? Is the natural response of those who believe that they have to face this task on their own? But the words, I am sending you and I will be with you, however, reveal God's forgiveness for all of our past failures. God's authority on us to go. God's empowering as we go. And God's comforting presence in every trial along the way. Will you remain in your insecurities and say, what if they don't believe me? Oh, will you heed the call? I am sending you, you of all people, you. And will you hear that call? And will you step out in the power and the forgiveness of God to be an instrument to set the captives free? This is a choice we all must make. It's too comfortable being a shepherd in the wilderness. It's all too comfortable being there. But God wants you to deliver his people. And until you hear that call, I am sending you and listen. 
You'll never know the miraculous work that God wants to do through you and how your life can count in ways that you could never imagine. Your past is forgiven. You have his call and authority behind you. And you know his promise to be with you all the way. All that remains is for you to say, Here am I, Lord, send me.